Ask any baller. If you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it! Wow! You know, one thing's for sure. Over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Welcome to Pass the Outlet, episode 10. I'm your host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always by my wingman, Chris Patrick. Chris, playoffs? Playoffs? Playoffs. The NBA 2023 playoffs are here. We're going to dive deep into it today. But first and foremost, we appreciate you all joining us, listening back. Make sure you follow us at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You'll find us here on YouTube and Facebook at Valley Sports Plug. But Chris, we got a lot of basketball to talk about today, and I want to pass it over to you before we dive into it. How are you feeling right now, man? This is like Christmas for basketball fans, right? Thank you, Mr. Benjamin. I'm excited to be here. I think, like I said on the last PTO, like starting with March Madness, it's just full, full on basketball season, man. Like this is the best time of year for basketball. Great March tournament for those college kids. But now it's time for the big dogs to get at it. And our Phoenix Suns are looking like uh, they have a pretty good chance. So I'm sure we're going to get into all that and uh, have some good talk tonight. My favorite saying, I'm chomping at the bit, man. I can't express it enough. But we're going to talk about the play-in tournament. We're going to talk about the Suns' first-round matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to talk about the playoffs as a whole. But before we get into it, we got to go over the last three games for the Phoenix Suns. If you guys haven't seen it, we had our final season recap, which ended with the Spurs finale. We didn't want to just put out one with three games. We figured we'd roll it all into one. So we got to look at those final three games. We're going back to April 6th when the Suns took on the Nuggets. We won 119 to 115. That was kind of the last ditch effort from our starting five. And the Nuggets were already kind of tanking it, right? They didn't play Jokic again. They didn't play Murray again. They didn't even play Aaron Gordon at all in that game too. So. The Suns just kind of got some more camaraderie going into the playoffs. But then the final two, they did decide to kind of sit that one out because the fourth seed was already cemented. So we went to Los Angeles, played the Lakers, lost 121 to 107. And then we played the Clippers in a weird game, man. It looked like the Suns were pushing to win that game, which would have put the Golden State Warriors into the fifth position and put them up against us in the first round. But they ended up kind of slowing it down at the end, and the Clippers won 119 to 114. So, Chris, what were you seeing in kind of those last three games, and how were you feeling the way that the Suns finished? 
Yeah, I heard a lot of Suns fans clamoring. They wanted to kind of see us go full strength those last three games, but I really have no problem with Monty giving the guys a little bit of rest. Like you mentioned, that game against Denver, no Jokic, no Murray, no Aaron Gordon. So not really a true test of what we might see from the Nuggets in this playoff stretch. That game against the – I'm not even going to talk about the game against the Lakers. I could care less about that. But, that yeah, that Clippers game was so weird because it seemed like the Suns would pull ahead and it was real chippy. And, like, even with, like, seven minutes left in the game, I think just a little under, it was a tie game at 100. And then they did the right thing. I mean, the Clippers, I don't think they're – I don't think we should take them lightly. They're not the same team that we beat two years ago. But at the same time, I'm still comfortable saying I would much rather play them than the Golden State Warriors, who are now at full strength when you talk about that, I guess you could say three, four-headed monster, maybe five-headed monster now with Clay, Steph, Draymond. Now you're adding guys like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins coming back, Jonathan Kuminga coming into his own. So the rich get richer, man. It seems like the Warriors always find a way. Um, of course, Kawhi, he only plays 30, 40 games a season, but he's healthy for this playoff game that we have coming up, or I guess this playoff series we have coming up. A lot of different faces for the Los Angeles Clippers. And yeah, man, I'm happy with the decision that the Suns kind of made towards the end of that game and, and taking the loss so we could match up with them in the first round. The Clippers have added some veteran pieces, and we're going to get into all that, I promise you. But the Warriors, you have to remember, they are the defending champions, so you cannot take them lightly. But odd but good finish to the Sun season. You know, you take two L's in the last three, but you're not playing your main guys, so that really doesn't matter, and you're trying to make sure that they're as healthy as possible going into the playoffs. And most of these guys or most of our key pieces are going to have a week and a half off of rest. So excited to see what's going to happen next. But with that being said, first question for you, Chris, do you consider the play in games, the playoffs? Are you there yet as a fan? You know, if you asked me this last year, I might have answered it differently. Uh, at this point, I do, man. It, it is playoff intensity. These guys are playing for their spot in the in the big tournament, if you will, or the main tournament. Uh, it, it reminds me, we kind of had a similar conversation about the first four in when it came to March Madness, hearkening back on that, uh, where where some people said, no, it's not the it's not the dance, it is the dance. But absolutely, it's it's playoff basketball, man. I mean, your your season's on the line. These are meaningful games. It's not just a regular season game, and you want your guys to be out there. I mean, you look at what happened with the Minnesota Timberwolves almost wonder if that game would have gone differently had Rudy Gobert not been punching his teammates in the face. And McDaniel's not punching walls, breaking his hand. Crazy, <laughs> crazy finish for a couple of different teams. I mean, the Clippers were fighting against each other, against the Suns in the final game too. So high emotions, high octane action. It's playoffs. That's how I feel about it as well. It's weird that they don't count the stats towards the playoffs, but if you're in a win-or-go-home situation, how can it not be listed as that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I didn't even know that. That's that's crazy. So those stats are just kind of lost in no man's land, like not for the regular – obviously not for the regular season, but not for the playoffs either. That's If I'm a player, that's a bummer because if you put up like a 50-burger, you want that to count towards your all-time playoff stats. But I guess I kind of get it because what is it, uh, one, two games tops and – that's unfair to the guys who were the one through six seed or, or whatever. So I guess it's a fine line. 
Yeah, that's the way that they're probably looking at it. But hey, if they did have an MVP trophy for the play-in tournament, you know who's probably getting it? Patrick Beverly, right? Yep, it's got to be Patrick Beverly. I think he was <laughs> he was the MVP last year. He was the play-in champ. And man, it seems like they're doing it again. Chicago's got a game, what, uh, tomorrow night? Yep, tomorrow night. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and dive into what we've already seen uh, in those first four matchups on Tuesday the 11th, we had the eight-seeded Hawks going up against the seven-seeded Miami Heat. Atlanta took that one 116 to 105 in Miami. Miami was slow, man. Trey had 25 points. Capella only had four points, but he had 21 rebounds. Killer on the offensive boards as well. And fun stat for you, Anyeka Okongwu. Had some really good action in that game, catching some crazy lobs. He's a Impressive, nice young player. Played at Chino Hills with the Ball Brothers, Lonzo oh, and Lamelo. If okay. you can remember back then, he was on those mixtapes back in the day when LeVar Ball was pushing the Triple B brand. But then on the same day, we had the Lakers go up against the Timberwolves. And the Lakers ended up squeaking that one out in overtime, 108-102. to some weird decisions down the stretch and we're going to dive into these games a little bit more Chris but LeBron had 30 and, and and 10 Schroeder had a big game off the bench had 21 points and the Lakers secured that 7 seed then on Wednesday the 10 seeded Bulls went up against the 9 seeded Raptors and the Raptors blew a 19 point lead Zach Levine, man, he's been a baller he's putting the ball in the bucket like nobody else right now 39 points I think the big story about that one was DeMar DeRozan's daughter yelling during every single free throw. It was so funny. I know I was listening to AZ Sports today. They were just replaying it like every 30 minutes. It was crazy to see. But then the Thunder, probably my favorite game of the four so far. They went to New Orleans and beat the Pelicans 123-118. to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I think he's going to be an all-NBA player this year, maybe second team. He had 32 points. And Josh Giddy, 31, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, almost a triple-double in his asterisk first playoff appearance. I really like what the Thunder are doing and their youth movement. Man, when they add Chet Holmgren and, and what they get in the offseason, we'll see what they become out of that. But Chris, I want to pass it over to you and just kind of let the people know what you were seeing in the play in games and if anything really jumped off the page for you. Yeah, you know, my perspective on it, I'm just kind of going to go back to front um, in the order you played those games or stated those games. Man, Josh Giddy, really, where did he come from? He has come into his own. He is just a fundamental point guard. I saw a video today where someone said he's every middle school coach's dream. He's just a super fundamental guy. I mean, you shared a video with me where people just comment about how he doesn't do anything flashy. People say he has no bag. He literally just goes by you and scores and or makes effortless passes. I saw a clip a while back of them asking uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander about how he knew to cut. And they just have like that chemistry now. And I think that's really going to fare well for them, especially going into next season, getting Chet Holmgren back and continuing to build out that roster. I think the the Thunder could bounce back from, you know, that period of time when they were on top or close to it with KD, Russ, and James Harden. But, 
Man, I'm for, I'm happy for OKC. It's funny the New Orleans Pelicans find themselves on the outside looking in when you know halfway through the season Brandon Ingram was ready to crown them champs. So I think they're maybe a little embarrassed. I also saw some news breaking this week about Zion when asked about his return. He said that he was physically ready, but he wasn't mentally ready. And I get that, you know, he's a guy who's been injured a lot. He's had to do this rehab a lot. So he was citing, you know, second guessing himself, not wanting to be a detriment to his team. But I almost wonder if him sitting out was more of a detriment. Would the Pelicans chances have been better with Zion out there? I think they probably would have been. And now having that be the the ninth and 10th seed game, they're not going to have a chance. And Going back to those other two games, I think that's what's really interesting about the 7-8 seed play and matchup is those teams get two chances to make the playoffs. You know, you win that first game that we saw earlier this week, and then they'll have games tomorrow. Uh, as far as the Timberwolves and the Lakers go, I thought that game was super interesting. I actually, that's one of the games I actually watched the most of. And throughout, it kind of looked like the, the Timberwolves were in control. I was really surprised. I think I was even texting you like, man, are, are the Lakers about to blow this? Like they got a healthy Kate, I'm sorry, a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron to boot with all their other pieces. They've somehow managed to build around them. But I, I just don't know if the Lakers are going to have enough to make a deep push here, let alone stay healthy and compete. But they did squeak it out. They took it to overtime. Austin Reeves is playing out of his mind, apparently. He's going to be looking to get a big contract this offseason. So that's what you see with the playoffs, man. And, and the end of the season is a lot of storylines start to unfold and develop. And as these players come back from injuries or fight through lingering injuries, because this is it, man. It's championship or bust for all of these teams right now. You got to believe they all have that in mind. And lastly, the Atlanta Hawks and Miami Heat. I'll keep this short. You know, Valley Sports Plug and sports betting have kind of become synonymous with one another. And I've noticed in my sports betting on the NBA this season that the Miami Heat lose games and play down to their opponents. Um, or lose games they shouldn't lose and play down to their opponents. So I'm not shocked at all that they got bounced. Jimmy Butler is still virtually doing it all by himself. I know they added Kevin Love to the mix, but clearly not enough to get him over the hurdle. I mean, they'll get one more shot here. What is it on Saturday? No, tomorrow against Chicago. But like you said, man, DeRozan and that Chicago Bulls team is on a tear right now. Yeah, I mean, the toughest thing about it, even if the Heat or the Bulls, doesn't matter who comes out of that. I think the Bucks sweep either one of those teams. Honestly, I think Boston might sweep Atlanta as well. They're kind of just a hodgepodge of whatever right now. You know, has the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray experience really worked itself out? I know it's so brand new, but, you know, switching over to Quinn Snyder so deep in a season as well, trying to pick up his tendencies and kind of change the playbook is always kind of a tough thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they get one, but... Wasn't the most exciting game. The other game that really wasn't that exciting to me either was that Raptors-Bulls game. I mean, I like the way that the, the Bulls pulled that one out and were able to come up clutch down, down the stretch. But when you have such high discrepancies within the game, when one team is almost winning by 20 points, becomes a little bit of a snooze fest until it starts to ramp up. Whereas that Thunder-Pelicans game was pretty tight. Most of the game, I think the Thunder went up sometime seven to eight points and it was close down the stretch, became kind of a free throw match. But the most disappointing game 
of the play-in games so far. And it's funny that you say that was the one you watched the most of, Chris, was the Lakers and Timberwolves game. It was the same for me. I watched the entirety of that game, and that was some of the worst basketball that I've seen in a while, specifically from LeBron James. He was out there making odd decisions with his passes and throwing the ball away so uncharacteristically. Like, I've never seen LeBron make these kind of decisions. And then down the stretch, for Carl Anthony Towns to be in that bad of foul trouble and then make odd decisions on how to box out and throw guys down, get your fifth, have to go out, you can't play with any of the pace that he had because he started really hot. I think he had 17 through the first half. And then you just can't play the same way. You can't play with the same aggressiveness anymore. And it freaking hurt the Timberwolves. But the last thing about that is how the hell are you fouling on a three-point jackup like that? It was unacceptable. I'd be putting Anthony Davis in the practice court running suicides for an hour after the game. I don't care that we got to go and play a playoff series. I think the toughest thing about that was I was kind of hoping that the Timberwolves would pull this one out so it would push Los Angeles to – they were going to probably beat the Thunder or the Pelicans no matter what. But then that would have been a nice matchup with size against the Denver Nuggets, and maybe that could have pushed that series to six or seven games. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets sweep whoever comes out of that game tomorrow. So, oh, man. Crazy start to the NBA playoffs, but with that being said, I think it's time for the outlet point guard. And of course, this one is situated right around our matchup, the one that we care about the most, which is the four-seed Phoenix Suns going up against the five-seed Los Angeles Clippers. With the amount of injuries and everything that happened, KD's freak accident, guys just being in and out of the lineup, I mean, we even saw two of our main guys go down in that Lakers game, Bismarck Biombo and campaign as well. I'm so happy that this team was able to secure a first round home series to get this thing started going off right. So, Chris, can you pull that thing up for us so we can start looking at what we might be up against here? Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and take a look. I love this package you put together for us. Let's just watch it once through. Of course, you know Kawhi doing his thing. He's going to be a main catalyst for this team, right? And Devin Booker, he's going to get doubled, even though you have KD on the team. But how is Chris Paul going to be able to affect this team? And not just him as a shooter. But then the big question mark, Paul George. Is he going to play? You know, I know that he went on to a podcast and was saying things are moving forward, things are good. But in the podcast, he was in a walking boot, so... It could be maybe game four, game five, but how how is he going to be? You know, but right. let's let's roll it back up to the top first, Chris, and and you can tell us kind of what you're seeing from Kawhi here. Yeah, so you see you see the high screen here, and I think it's Saban Lee who ends up trying to guard Kawhi here, and stays with him pretty well. But man, with with his length, that fadeaway is not easy to defend. I don't know if he's thinking he got hit on the lip or something there. But that that goes to tell you, like, Saban Lee was right up in his face. I think that Kawhi is going to be, uh, you know, forced to be reckoned with. And you see, I think it was – was that Russell Westbrook that set the screen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
really props to Ty Lu, who's really found a way to revitalize Russell Westbrook's career on on the the Clippers there. It seems like maybe he wasn't being used right in LA and it wasn't really working out for well in LA. He's still in, you know what I'm saying? The Lakers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. So it, it just opens up the floor for him. I know we're talking about Kawhi here, but that's just like, talk about having no bag. Like what does he do here? He just backs down Saban Lee off the screen. Like the screen almost had nothing to do with this play and, and Saban Lee had does everything he can. So I think we're going to see a lot of that in in this is the the mismatches, trying to create mismatches and having Kawhi really go right at guys and open up the floor as much as he can. Right. And the way that the Clippers are a switch heavy team on defense, that's what they're looking to do on the offensive side as well. Right. They're trying to get the ball into their scores hands with mismatches. I mean, you could put Paul George in this specific scenario. We've seen him do the same thing like Kawhi does right here plenty of times. They're just looking to get that action and space the floor. I mean, you see Batum rolling out because he knows Kawhi is going to dive down to the bottom there and take his shot. So as much space as you can give, the better. I mean, you're looking at right now with what the Clippers have, obviously Kawhi Leonard is going to have to be their breadwinner and the, and the big dog to really put the ball in the bucket for them. He averaged 23.8 points, 6.5 rebounds and about four assists this year. But in three games against the Suns, he only averaged 17.3 points. He did average 10 rebounds, but crazy stat for you. He shot 0% from the three point line in all three of those games. Wow. Are we going to get the same thing? No. I mean, the big, uh, the big item from this game was, I believe that, second matchup of the season here in Phoenix where he shot horribly the entire game, but the Clippers were able to win that game. We also didn't have Kevin Durant at that point. So, you know, the asterisks can be put on different points when, when we start to look at it, but he's going to have to be a huge catalyst here for them. If they're going to have any shot to really compete with this Suns team, but Chris, I got to roll it forward into kind of this offensive set with Devin Booker here. The same way that both of these teams will look to get into the screen and roll game, the defenses are going to have to adjust and get the ball swinging out of these superstar hands. You know, when you talk about Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and it's going to be such a huge asset. And Chris Paul himself specifically has really started to show that he's, He's stepping into that spot up shot range and he's starting to knock them down. I mean, one of our last games, he went crazy and almost, I think he tied a career high for three pointers made in a game, but it's not just going to have to come from him, right? It's going to have to come from guys in the corner like Josh Okogie. Torrey Craig is going to have to do his job making those three pointers in the corner on the swings as well. And, you know, I'll pass it over to you, Chris. Who are those other wing guys that you're looking forward to making some big shots for this team in the first unit and second unit? Man, it's got to be – well, first of all, you see in this clip alone, Chris Paul knocking down that three-point shot. We know he can hit him, but historically, the Suns haven't really had to call on him to hit that. But now it seems like we might be kind of reevaluating that strategy as teams are going to have to put more focus on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant now. Uh, I'm also going to look for Josh Okoge to not miss seven three-pointers in a game. That's going to be important. You see, you know, shout out on this play. I do want to highlight 
Bismack Biombo facilitating this play, being patient, fakes it to Tory Craig, and which really the the defender overcommits, which allows Chris Paul to be wide open at the top. But say that the defender doesn't bite and that guy collapses and the defender stays up top, Tory Craig's going to have to knock down that wing shot right there. And we know he's he's capable of doing it. I'm, you know, Mike, a little a little curious, a little interested to know what Monty's rotation is going to look like. If he's spent some late nights thinking about it and he's going to have a nice tight seven, eight man rotation, or if he's still going to be playing 11, 12 guys trying to figure it out as we go through this playoff run. Cause a couple of those guys I named Tori Craig and Josh Kogi, they've been known to get 20 plus minutes a game, but they've also been known to get six minutes a game depending on, I don't know, the matchup or how Monty feels when he woke up that morning. But I got to believe there's a plan. I know when you have a brilliant mind like Kevin Durant, I'd imagine Monty's having conversations with him on game plan and strategy. I don't remember exactly the player what happened, but I know there was a point in time in, in the past couple of weeks here where Kevin Durant literally drew up a play or a strategy um, in, in pregame and Monty credited him that with him with that. So it's just going to be it's going to be about opening the floor. I know when we saw Kevin Durant play a few of those games it seems like we had streaks where we were really hot, guys were knocking down shots, getting open, and then it kind of started fading back into that one-on-one stuff, Devin Booker taking crazy shots, forcing it doing too much. So, I just hope they can whatever game plan they come up with, Monty, KD, whatever, I hope they can execute it and do it consistently. Yeah. And like we were saying in our last recap too, or at least what I was saying, thank goodness we got Kevin Durant back before having to step into a first round series like this and trying to implement your offense through that. Right. And you can talk about specifically in this, in this play, you could swap in Deandre Ayton for Bismack Biombo right there. Those are going to be plenty of sets where he's going to find himself at that free throw line or free throw line extended. And he's going to have to make those decisions. We've seen Deandre Ayton hit that shot plenty of times but is he going to show that same kind of patience that Bismarck Biombo does right there I think he can and hopefully he will we're crossing our fingers for the for that but DeAndre Ayton is going to have to have a big series for us you talk about kind of what these rotations are going to look like for the Suns I obviously have that question but the same thing for the Clippers as well you know I'm wondering if this is going to be a series where it go, it might go a little bit deeper into these bench rotations. You know, when you start talking about playoffs, you're looking normally nine guys, maybe 10. I mean, we could see maybe 11 for the Clippers here. You know, we're still waiting to see what's happening with Marcus Morris. But, you know, Nicholas Batum has been a contributor. Robert Covington is a is a veteran presence for them as well who can shoot the rock from outside. They added pieces like Eric Gordon, Bones Highland and Mason Plumley. You know, those are all guys who have been part of this rotation for the Clippers down the stretch here. And who loses minutes if they do? You know, I'm wondering who's going to step into the starting role as well. Is it going to be Terrence Mann? Then that starts to dictate what we do on the defensive end, right? We're probably thinking Josh Okoge is going to take Russell Westbrook straight up, but who takes Terrence Mann? Do you put Chris Paul there? He's a bit undersized, and we've seen Terrence Mann kind of tear up the Suns more than one occasion, especially in that 2021 Western Conference playoffs. But going back to the Suns' rotations, 
you know, I think we've already heard that Bismarck Biombo is going to be okay with his knee contusion. He just kind of had to shake that one off. But I don't think we've seen an update about campaign yet. Is he going to be ready to go for game one? And if not, are they going to trust Saban Lee to go out there and put up minutes? I don't think they'd give him the full tilt of the backup point guard minutes. But when what does that do now? Are you going to run point guard by committee? Are you going to have Landry Shamit take those minutes? Is TJ Warren not sick anymore? There is still a lot of questions that we're still wondering about. And this first game is three days away. So that's why I always say I'm chomping at the bit here. And there's still more questions than answers to start. But the biggest question I think for me here, Chris, and you can roll into this last one, is Paul George. Is Paul George going to play in this series, Chris? Do you think he's going to suit up at all? I think they're going to take um, kind of a wait-and-see approach. I think if the Suns go up two games or 2-1, 3-1, if he is healthy enough to compete, I don't think they have a choice but to try and put him out there. Um, I mean, I want to see a sweep. Obviously, that's what every every fan hopes. I'm not going to say the cursed words, but – Paul George, if I'm a Clippers fan, you want to see him out there because even like you mentioned that 2021 Western Conference playoff matchup, he was a key contributor for that team and really gave the Suns a lot of fits. If it wasn't for him choking away a few free throws and a, and a few other things, it that could have gone very differently. And now you add in a healthy Kawhi and Russell Westbrook into the mix. I, I don't think Suns fans should underestimate this team, but to answer your question, yes, I expect Paul George to play. Right. If it's a 2-2 series going into game five, I think he's that kind of guy who has that burning desire to get out there to produce for his team. And I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it out there in some way, in some fashion, even if he plays 20, 25 minutes. I mean, he has been out for extended amount of time. That hyperextension that he had was kind of scary. I'm surprised that they didn't or I'm surprised that the injury wasn't kind of season ending. So, I mean, I, I do like this play. I, I'm not going to give too much praise for the Clippers, but this just shows that the Clippers are a veteran team, man. You know, he uh, Paul George, he sees that quick double. He understands to lob high to Zubach right there. And Zubach keeps his head up and sees a cutting man right at the bucket. I mean, he doesn't flush it, but he finishes it. And just those are what smart teams do and what smart teams do on a consistent basis. I think this series is going to be funner than we expect, Chris. I think both four or five matches in the playoffs on the other side as well, Cleveland and New York, these are going to be the ones to watch in the first round because there's still so many unknowns, specifically in the West as well. You know, are the Kings going to be able to hold up as a three seed? Did the Denver Nuggets take off too much time down the stretch? Are they going to be ready to really go and play 40 minutes a night from their starters? You know, but Phoenix Suns are back in the playoffs once again. Suns fans, let's not take this for granted, right? We've been on such a great run these past couple of years, but we got to stop and smell the roses a little bit. But hopefully we don't have another scenario where we have to write an apology letter to the fans. You know what I'm saying? But Chris, what are your overall final thoughts on this series starting on Sunday against the Los Angeles Clippers? I'm right there with you. I don't think we can underestimate the Clippers. I know it's easy to feel like we're on top of the world because we got a healthy Kevin Durant. 
all we were see, seeming to be hitting on all cylinders but like we just saw there this clippers team is is no joke in that last play we were looking at alone they have their big three on the court if you want to call them that in Kawhi, paul george and russell westbrook and russ is in the corner Kawhi's up top so it opened up the floor enough where da maybe overplays to to step up and cover paul george and that gives him just enough time to lob it up top to zubak and that's another thing i think you were kind of getting at is they have role players, too, that can contribute. Zubak gave Aiton fits two years ago, and I know we're probably going to keep talking about that matchup until we can talk about this new one once it gets rolling. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, um, but I'm very optimistic at the same time. I think the Suns are the better team when it comes down to it. And when you have a guy like Kevin Durant, I trust him to take – I've said it before, he's going to take big shots and he's going to make big shots. I don't expect there to be – 15 20 point blowouts i think all these games could be pretty close but we'll have to see yeah what what's one of the biggest thing i think nerves come with the unknown the truth of the matter for this phoenix suns team is it's still a little bit unknown kevin durant has played with this team eight games that's it guys so the sample size is so small but it's been so great it gives us encouraging thoughts but there's still a little bit of nerves that come with it. And that comes with the playoffs, man. Like everybody's jittery. Everybody's ramped up, ready to go. You just got to get that first shot to go in. You got to get that first kind of bump and hit and really tough action to start getting the ball rolling. And this team is going to be just fine, I think. But we'll make sure to keep everybody in tune and involved with what's going on with the Phoenix Suns through the entire playoffs. I believe we're going to be doing game recaps. So not bi-weekly. We're going to be hitting you with a little bit of a quick recap every game. So make sure you guys stay tuned to our YouTube page for that. We'll make sure to get that out to the people as well. But Chris, I think it's time to turn over to Reddit Reacts. And I want to start with the 2023 NBA playoffs as a whole. Can you pull up that bracket for me? I got to see what we got going on. Yeah, let's take a look here. Um, there's a lot of parity in the league right now, man. And I'm I'm very excited for this playoffs. Let me try and make this a little bigger so everyone can see. How about we go chill at the bottom down here? I think there that's beautiful. So let's go ahead and start off in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, with our playing tournament, we've seen that the Hawks took the seven seed after beating the Heat. So they'll match up with the Celtics. Bucks are still waiting to see who they're going to face off against, either the Bulls or the Heat. 76ers are going up against our hometown previous heroes, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And then, like I said, I think my favorite matchup of the first round for the Eastern Conference is probably that 4-5 or five matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. Chris, at a high surface level, what are you looking at in the Eastern Conference playoffs and who are you keeping an eye on? Yeah, man. Honestly, with the Eastern Conference, my eye is really on those top three seeded teams in the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers. I think for my money, one of those three teams is going to make it to the NBA Finals. I just think teams have had enough time to scout Giannis, see how he does in the playoffs, where I think there's going to be some game planning that gets done to hopefully prevent him from being the force that he has been. But I hate to say it, a lot of that is going to come down to the officiating and whether or not he gets to shoot 25 free throws in a game. 
had to say it. Do you think they're going to bring out the counting again? Part of me hopes so, but another part of me would be fine if they put it to rest too. Uh, I think it it seemed to rattle him a little bit in in that uh, in to start that final series we had against him, especially when you have a sold out footprint center and that crowd was just ruckus and roaring. And for any team he plays in the Eastern Conference, it's probably going to be a sellout. I mean, especially when you're talking Philadelphia and Boston. And the the Celtics are another one of those teams, man, where they just have depth. We talk about Jalen Brown, Derek White, of course, Jason Tatum. God, I didn't forget his name, but that team is is scary on paper, and I don't think anybody should be taking them lightly either. As you see, just one game out of that for being tied for that first spot. So if a few balls bounce differently during the season, the Celtics could have very well been the one seed. And as we had seen in the past couple months, they were blowing teams out by like 40 points. It was insane. Uh, I, I'm with you, though, just last on the Eastern Conference, that, that Cavs – Nick series, I think is going to be very entertaining to watch. I don't have a lot of faith in either of those teams to make a deep run, but Donovan Mitchell's resurgence on the Cavaliers has been incredible. He's one of those guys. And I feel like we have one of those guys every couple of years where they're stuck in the West for so long and they're a great player, but we don't like them because we have to match up with them. And sometimes we have fits in the playoffs with them, but ever since he went to the East, Love me some Donovan Mitchell, man. I mean, he had the outburst this year as well with the 71 points. The guy has been on a mission since he went to Cleveland. And I just think that matchup with Jalen Brunson coming to his own, kind of stepping in as a star right next to Julius Randle. And the Cavaliers, you know, younger guys like Evan Mobley, Darius Garland are taking the next steps. And shout out to Ian. His old friend, Jared Allen, has been a stud for them this year as well. I think that's just going to be a dogfight. But as far as the Sixers-Nets, you know, I'm sending all of my love and support to Mikhail Bridges and, and, and Cam Johnson over there. I think it's going to be a tough task with Joel Embiid, who I feel is going to be the MVP here. Pretty soon, they're going to announce him over Jokic. You could go back. I mean, honestly, Giannis could have won it this year again and got his third one. There's just been some really, really high-level play this year in the NBA. But the teams have been even, like you're saying as well. I just think that Nick Claxton is going to have a little bit too much on his hands with Joel Embiid. And James Harden has been a great facilitator this year. As far as the Celtics, man, I always just kind of have this thing in the back of my mind. You know, they did go to the NBA Finals last year, but I still always just think of them as, like, young guys. Like, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are still just in their third year. No, it's the same, like, the Devin Booker effect. These guys have been in the league for seven, eight years now, right? Like, they are veterans, and they've been through it. And the depth that they added, ooh, it's scary, just like you said. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench in that backup point guard position is just lethal. Robert Williams finally getting healthy as well. I think it's going to end up being the one-two seeds in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that one's going to be a dogfight as well and may the best man win. But hopefully the Bulls win, Chris, so then DeMar DeRozan <laughs> could just have his daughter going to every game yelling at Giannis while he's on the free throw line. You know Oof. what I'm saying? I would love that. Man, That's that was entertaining. I will say I saw that like everywhere on social media today. Like you were saying back there, his daughter just screaming at the top of her lungs. Like I think that's what any basketball dad could hope for is that 
their uh, their families going all out for them. It is funny though. You, you mentioned uh, you know we talk about this Celtics team. What was it? Uh, who Jalen Brown was being interviewed and he said he's going to win like four, five, six championships, something like that. So he's going to try and be fulfilling his own prophecy. But I, I don't know. I think I think like I said, I think there's a chance they make the the finals. But I I hope the champion comes out of the West. I'm not going to say too much to jinx it, but. Yeah. Last thing I'll say, Chris, I think that's, what is it? The Taylor Rooks effect, right? She's got John Morant saying (laughs) that he's fine in the West and we'll see. So I think that's a perfect pivoting point to take a look at what's going on in the Western Conference. Obviously, we have the Denver Nuggets with the first overall seed. They're going to be going up against the Thunder or the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves just haven't figured it out with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and how to really mesh that and make that work. I mean, they were 500 team this entire year. And my goodness, if Anthony Edwards shoots three for 17 again, I, I don't know if NBA fans can let him live it down. Like this was a guy who was a number one overall pick who was su- supposed to start taking these exponential strides and to fall as flat as he did when he had one of his main weapons out in that game against Los Angeles with Rudy Gobert sitting because of the suspension to shoot that poorly and play that bad. It's a disgrace, and I feel bad for Timberwolves fans. But, you know, then we're going over to that 2-7 matchup. The Lakers squeaked out that win, so they're going to have to go up against the Grizzlies. Obviously, John Morant is back in full force. I I like some of their young guys. I mean, Desmond Bain has started to solidify himself as one of the better shooting guards in the NBA. Jaron Jackson Jr. might end up being defensive player of the year. I think a big killer for them, though, was Steven Adams going down, and he's out for the playoffs, so we'll have to see how they can stagger that size. But that'll be an interesting one to see. I still think the Grizzlies make uh, make it out of that one. But then, I mean, the two ones in the middle, the Kings versus Warriors 3-6 and the Suns Clippers 4-5. I mean, you're looking at teams that are lower in the bracket that could have been top three teams if some pieces just were able to stay healthy a little bit more during the season. So, Chris, for the Western Conference, what are you seeing and what are you looking at? I'm seeing a lot of California teams in the Western Conference. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And we might well take a look at that a bit more in Reddit Reacts, but you got all four California teams in the Western Conference playoffs. Just absolutely bonkers. Starting at the bottom there with the Grizzlies-Lakers matchup, I agree with everything you said there. I think it's really going to come down to, in my mind, talent versus experience. you got a really talented young Grizzlies team versus a very grizzled veteran Lakers team. LeBron just finds a way to get it done. Obviously, I think he has a chip on his shoulder from missing the playoffs last year and is wants to prove that he can still play basketball at 52 years old. Um, maybe being the next Udonis Haslam, I don't know. It's going to come down, though, to, to player health for me uh, in, in that series. Because if AD goes down, they have no chance. He has just been playing, when healthy, he's been playing out of his mind and proven that he is still that dude. Uh, in that next series, Kings-Warriors, I think a lot of people are writing off the Kings, which is a little crazy in some regard because they are the higher seed and have really proven themselves to be worthy. But at the same time, all those... All those reasons I mentioned why it's you should be concerned about the Warriors because they are at full strength now with all of their weapons. But again, player health, age, experience, there's a whole bag of factors that go into that. We've really gone into a lot about the Suns Clippers already, so I'll keep it short. 
I just think it's going to come down to how well the Suns can execute their game plan when it comes to the Clippers. The Clippers are no slouch. I think it's going to be a good series, but I do like the Suns to take that one. Of course, I have to say that. And uh, lastly, I am really hoping to see the Thunder take take out the Timberwolves, be that Cinderella story. But whatever team wins that playing match, I don't think they have much chance against the Nuggets. Unfortunately, no. Just too much inexperience and the Denver Nuggets, even though they were sitting a lot of guys down the stretch, they're top of the conference for a reason. They're going to be able to figure it out. I do wonder if there's any fatigue going into a playoff series when you really haven't played very much in the last two, three weeks. You know, some of it was by design and some of it guys were still sitting because of injury. So we'll just have to see how quickly they can get back to it. But I'd love to see the Thunder maybe squeak two out of the Nuggets. And, you know, they can do it with their young core and their fast pace. They just got to shoot well and defend big. And, you know, right now I just think Jokic is just on another level, man. There's there's a reason that he's in the conversation for a, the three-peat for the MVP, man. That just doesn't happen very often, you know what I mean? No, it, it doesn't. I mean, we can go back to the mid-2000s when we all kind of felt that Steve should have maybe won three in a row. Uh, it just seems like the league doesn't really like to do that too often. And a lot of people, of course, could say that there's a case for LeBron to have had MVP like eight seasons in a row. But before we get off of this bracket, Mike, I, I did have a question for you because we're talking about the parody in the league, looking at these good matchups. Do you think that we're going to see a series sweep in the first round? And if yes, what what series or matchup do you think would be most likely for that to happen in? I mean, in the Western Conference, I'd say the Nuggets. That's probably the biggest one. I mean, I could see the Suns Clippers going six games. I could see Kings Warriors going six games. And honestly, if the Lakers don't pull it together and play a little bit faster and, and pick it up, to be honest with you, they could be done in five. Uh, on the Eastern side, same thing. I mean, it's always easy to say the top seed is going to sweep these teams, but I right. mean, the, like the difference, man, there's, there's reasons why these teams are in the play-in. There's reasons why these teams are 10th in the conference. They're just not going to be able to match up with that physicality of Giannis. And Boston, I could see them sweeping uh, the Atlanta Hawks. I think after their Eastern Conference Finals run, they have just been in a tailspin and have been trying to figure out ever since then. I mean, they've been in the playoffs the past two seasons, but it's been in the play-in to get into the playoffs. It's not where you want to find your team. And the Celtics, like we said, they're ready, man. They're ready to push back to the NBA Finals. So those are probably the three that I could see. I think that's a solid assessment, and I'd have to agree. I just think you look at the Hawks' record there, even 541 and 41, that's going to be a steep hill for them to climb without a doubt. But I think it might be that time, Mike, that we look at some uh, other Reddit reactions. What do you think? Let's do it, man. What do you got for us this time? Let me get it together here. So I think we'll just go to this one right off the bat because we were just talking about it, and Mike has no idea what I'm about to pull up here, so bear with me the California teams making the all four of them making the playoffs here. And my first question about this graphic, Mike, is do you think it's fair that they use the bonus and not De'Aaron Fox? I do. I think he's just been a little bit more of an all NBA talent for a longer time in his career. And 
De'Aaron Fox has been in Sacramento, and since Sabonis has come to Sacramento, we've seen more success come with it. He's been a catalyst for that team. I mean, they run their offensive sets through him on the on the high block, you know? They get their action rolling off of that. Keegan Murray has stepped up as a nice young rookie, but De'Aaron Fox has been probably the clutchest end game player of the season. So that could be possibly your argument, but I think overall team success has been pushed forward by DeMontis Sabonis. So we'll give it to him, man. We'll give it to him. You've convinced me. I, I think that's fair. I like Fox. He's he's really good. He's still pretty young, though. I still think it sucks that we chose to take Josh Jackson and not De'Aaron Fox. I was about to say, you know who <laughs> could have had him? My that's the story of us, man. We could have had Jokic. We could have had Giannis. We could have had Michael Jordan, right? Am I mistaken? Or is that inaccurate? No, maybe it no, was no, Kareem. No, no. We could have had Kareem. Like we lost right. the coin flip to the Bucks. Yep. Okay, so I guess if, if we lost on a coin flip, that's more understandable than just not picking the guy. But yeah, I honestly, I, I was when I was bringing that up, I thought it was the first time in a long time that all Cal- California teams made the playoffs. But this graphic is saying it's the first time ever, which makes sense because the Clippers were historically god awful, and the Kings hadn't made haven't made the playoffs since George Bush was president. So. It's it's interesting if you're if you're a California sports fan, you got to be pretty excited right now because even if your team loses, you can just go and root for the next California team if it works like that. I don't know. It's given me vibes of the March Madness tournament when three of our major universities made it right: U of A, ASU, and GCU. NAU almost squeaked in by winning. Uh, was it the Big Sky? Or I feel like that's incorrect, but. The craziest thing about this where it's like, I want to be like, that's super cool. But these are all teams that are in the freaking Pacific Division. So right. I'm hoping that they have a similar fate as all the Arizona schools. And they all lose in the first round. There we go. But unfortunately, go. we one of them has to win because the Kings are playing the Warriors. So that's fine. Well, three, three out of four take L's. I'll be happy. So that's an interesting observation then does that mean that the entire pacific division is in the playoffs am i missing a team no i think no that's five right yeah solid oh yeah the sonics aren't around anymore i think they were pacific division back in the day i don't know and obviously that wouldn't be the case if it if the rules kind of were the same as they used to be i mean it's been a number of years now but now seeding isn't just based off of you know who gets the division crowns and then Mm -hmm. go down now it's really just based off of where you finish which i think it should be honestly because everybody gets to play the same amount of teams in your conference the same amount and then you play the eastern conference teams two times same flip-flop you know so i think that there's a even keel competitive advantage in the teams that you get to play unlike what we were seeing in baseball the past couple of years until some of the changes so yeah, and that would be an interesting conversation for us to have over on another podcast about if the MLB will switch their playoff seating based off their new schedule uh, setup. But I think I got to go to this next one because it kind of goes hand in hand with what we just saw there with that graphic. And I think that's Wesley Snipes. I wish I could name the movie off the top of my head, but how the Warriors King series has Northern California fans feeling. They don't want to do it. 
but they know they have to. I I was bouncing around different subreddits. This is from r slash warriors, as you can see. They don't want to have to take out their their little brother, the Kings, but you know they got to do it. Every dog has his day, right? The Warriors are still the big dogs. The Kings are finally up and coming and seeing the playoffs for the first time in, what, 17 years, I think? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I mean, you got to be on cloud nine right now. But unfortunately, you might be falling through the middle of that cloud really quick, having to go up against the defending champs. But like you said, Chris, we'll, we'll just have to see how Steph and Clay shoot how healthy are they? I think a big question with them, too, is how does Andrew Wiggins come back after not playing a month? And not from injury, right? It was from – I don't think it was from injury. It was from kind of mental stuff or personal things. I know we had the crazy rumors and whatnot. People debunked them. Who knows what really happens or happened. But, right. you know, how does he fit back into that situation and – work to be a piece that they can rely on on a playoff run i think they'll figure it out but it, it, it's hard to try and figure out right at the start of the playoffs you know all right that's that's absolutely a factor and i might be wrong i don't want to add to the speculation but i think they ended up saying this last week that it was like a, a family member that was in poor health mm. possibly his dad but either way be, being like you say being away from the team for so long and, and coming back trying to get back in the fold it can be difficult. We saw Clay struggle when he first came back after being gone for so long. Granted, that was due to an injury. And I have to imagine Wiggins was still playing basketball at some capacity while he was away. But it's not always the same as full NBA speeds. Like I mentioned with Zion, where he wasn't mentally ready to come back either. So we'll have to see if, if Wiggins is mentally ready to play basketball and contribute. Uh, that'll be a factor for sure. What do we so, got next? Let's see. Let's see. So there's obviously, of course, no love lost with the Dallas Mavericks. And so, you know, I had to, you know, I had to go low and, and pull up this one here from the our friends over at our slash sons. We love our slash sons. They're so nice, so polite. And they posted this. You love to see it. It's uh, someone helping their their grandma on a walker. Uh, the Mavs logo superimposed over the older woman and then the Suns logos on the on the younger woman. I'm guessing her daughter helping her. But the Mavericks are saying, but 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 we blew you out in that game seven. And the Suns are saying, sure, grandma, let's get you to bed. <laughs> First and foremost, you know, we got a shout out our boy D. We love you, D. You know, it's all fun and games, man. It's just crazy to see how. You know, everybody can hit that part of the spectrum, man. Things can flip. I mean, last year we're talking about showing our ass and having to send an apology letter to the fan base. And this year, the freaking Dallas Mavericks trade for a top 75 NBA guy and find themselves tanking to keep a playoff spot or to keep a draft pick and don't even make the playoffs. I mean... I'll ask you, Chris, I think it's probably going to be biased, but which one at the end of the day do you think is worse? Uh, I think probably missing the playoffs. You know, it's better to have loved and lost than to never loved at all. Yeah, I think it's got to be missing the playoffs. And I think it's got to be when they do an investigation about if you were actually tanking or not so you could keep a top 10 draft pick. I mean, you know, it's a crapshoot in the draft. I mean, Oh, oh, oy vey, dude. 
Are and, they going to re-sign Kyrie? Like, what's the plan over there? Well, and you can't forget to mention the cameras catching their coach relieved that the buzzer beater shot didn't go in to secure that 11th seed. Man, that's embarrassing. I was talking a bit with my brother about this. Obviously, I I don't really care what happens as a result of this investigation. And honestly, I don't expect much to happen because Mark Cuban is just going to throw an absolute fit if mm-hmm. the league tries to do anything. But I honestly think they should maybe forfeit their pick or maybe not forfeit their pick, but make them not lottery eligible. I like that. That, that, that could, could be, be- fair. Right, it'll push you back maybe to 14 or something like that. I just think, man, if you want to be a contender and you want to be a consistent powerhouse in this league, like trading for guys like that. I know Kyrie Irving has had his ups and downs within his career, but he's still a great player. And to not be able to figure it out with Luka Doncic, who's one of the top five players in the NBA right now, it's very disappointing if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, first and foremost. But I think it's disappointing for the NBA because this was a series that, as far as the Suns fan, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I would have loved to match up against them again. I mean, that one game that we had when Kevin Durant was in his third or fourth game with the Phoenix Suns, that was an all-time game for the season. Incredible. I would have loved to have a series like that. I would have been freaking sweating and and crapping and freaking closing my eyes half the time but that's what good playoff basketball is all about right it's about yeah building these kind of rivalries which i feel like the mavericks and Suns have started to do over the past couple of years so for them to not make the playoffs man disappointing just absolutely disappointing yeah no i agree i would have i would have liked to see that matchup but i would have also had to call my doctor and get some blood pressure medication because <laughs> Man, that game, even though we won it, KD hit that big shot and Luka kind of choked. It was stressful. Um, but you love you love close games. You love basketball. You love winning close games, I should say, like the Big Cats did on Monday. Yes, sir. Anyway, we got a few more here I wanted to share with you. This one, it didn't get a lot of traction, but it gave, made me chuckle. I was perusing the Clippers uh, subreddit, and uh, it's this stock photo of this cool guy with sunglasses and it, how Suns fans <laughs> feel when they're one spot above us. Mike, is that how you're feeling? Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. We get to, we get home court advantage. That's how I'm feeling. Absolutely, man. Point. I will take – and what? We ended up having one game of a better record. But you yeah. also have to just remember what happened with this team as an entirety when I'm talking about the Phoenix Suns for this entire year. I mean, we started off so hot, scorching, then – there goes DeAndre Eaton. Then there goes Devin Booker for a month. There's Chris Paul out for two weeks. Landry Shamit is gone for who knows how long. Like the amount of injuries that this team dealt with towards the middle of that season made it so this team could not be competitive on a nightly basis. And that's where we saw our consistent amounts of losing streaks, right? We get one crazy win off against the Golden State Warriors where Dwayne Washington Jr. goes crazy, scores 27, and then back to six-game slide because we just can't compete. To find ourselves after making the Kevin Durant trade and going through him uh, being out for a while, going through that last back-end losing streak as well, to find yourself in a top-four position with a home court advantage in the first round is more than sweet, man. 
Uh, that's why I'm feeling like, yeah, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to agree, man. It was a roller coaster. And you can tell if, if for whatever reason, you go back and watch all of our recaps from the season, it was like, yeah, sons. And then, oh, sons. And then, yeah, sons again. And then when Devin Booker was out for that long stretch, and I think we lost like some 12 out of 15 or something like that, it was a, a real tough stretch. And dude, we're talking about the roller coaster. Then we get Kevin Durant. It's like, oh my God. But then he doesn't play very much. He is 8 0 when he starts, when he plays. But as someone pointed out, we aren't undefeated with Kevin Durant on the roster only when he plays. So I think that speaks volumes to how much of an impact he's going to have on this stretch and more narrowly focused on this series we have coming up against the Clippers. Big time. What were we calling them to start the season? It was like the bipolar bi-weeklies. Like yes. The, the ebbs and flows to start the season were just insane, man. We couldn't get any kind of consistency. And this team found a way. So we're right where we want to be, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's all you want at the end of the day is to be here in the playoffs, healthy with a chance. And I think the Suns have a chance. And the last one I got here for you, I think it's relevant and honestly a little interesting. Uh, it's a screenshot from a video of Russell Westbrook in a presser. And I'll read it uh, for the audio only listeners here. He's saying, Westbrook is saying, that's a good narrative for the media, for people to talk about. But there's no beef that I got. Nothing but respect for KD. The things he's done with his career, happy to see him back from injury. There's no beef at all. Of course, these two guys were teammates back on Oklahoma City and unceremoniously parted ways where KD ended up going to the Golden State Warriors in a very controversial move. And that was off the heels of losing to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, where... Me as a basketball fan, I got to take KD's side. Russell Westbrook really tried to take charge at times when he really shouldn't have, made some questionable decisions down the stretch, and ultimately, for my money, cost them a shot at a title in Oklahoma City. And we just even saw a couple weeks ago when the Suns were in Oklahoma City, those fans still have animosity for Kevin Durant and were booing him to where it, even Monty was taking it personally, but... An interesting thing that I saw noted was that KD was like, yeah, you know, I kind of understand it. I see where they're coming from. And I think that speaks to his maturity. And from this quote here with Russell Westbrook is now now his maturity where these two guys are grown. They're in their mid thirties and they've been around the league. So they know what's good. There's just something different when it comes to the brotherhood of the NBA, right? We could talk about brotherhood of professional sports, but this league in particular, either than baseball, the top profile athletes are some of the highest paid athletes in the world to start, right? And some of the highest ridiculed and adored. And that is just something that, especially when you are two high profile athletes on the same team that spend uh, an extended amount of time and years together, you build a brotherhood that you might see differently one year to the next, but at the end of the day, you fought through things that you will never have the same experience as other players. You're talking about guys who brought Oklahoma City, and I'm not talking about the Seattle Supersonics. I'm talking about Oklahoma City. They brought them to their only NBA Finals appearance in their franchise history, right? 
So that's why I'm kind of disappointed when OKC fans are booing Kevin Durant because you're talking about your best player that ever played for your franchise since you've been in Oklahoma City. Show some damn respect. But at the same time, you could come from Kevin Durant. They, they, they probably feel like they left him out to dry. Then they had those years where Russ was trying to do it all his own, got his MVP, but just could never get back to that upper echelon. And they felt slighted when KD went to the Warriors and won titles over there. You know, I get it. But it goes back to what you're saying. As these guys have been 14, 15 year vets in the league, they put all that kind of stuff in the past. They've focused on moving forward in their careers and they have the respect for each other now. And sometimes that's just what it, it takes time, it takes years, and it takes going away from somebody to remember why you respected them and enjoyed the time that you spent with them. So, OKC fans, no more. No more next year, okay? Be happy. You got Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh I mean, He's Giddy. a stud. He's Dude, incredible. I, I'm telling you, man, that guy honestly should be first team all NBA this year. That's how great he was this year. And man, for what for not even having Chet Holgrim Holmgren all year to be knocking on the door of the actual playoffs, you know what I'm saying? Like the future is bright for you guys. So Quit the saltiness. Let's move forward. No, I have to agree. And and just last thing I'll say on Shea, because while we're just sending him praises, it seemed like every other day when I was checking the box scores, he was scoring 30, 40 points. It was absolutely nuts. So young guy, too. I'm really excited to see what that team does. And uh, I don't know. Could be a fun team to watch going forward. I'm going to give him one more praise, man. He was a catalyst for helping – my fantasy team beat you in the hey. championship, Chris. Hey. So, you know, even more, even more props, especially after he was out like the first three games of that week, he came back and blew it over the top for me. But Chris, before we sign off on our NBA playoffs extravaganza, do you got anything else for the people before we call it a night? Man, what else can I say other than the playoffs are here and I couldn't be more excited. The Suns will start their journey on Sunday against the Clippers at 8 p.m. Arizona time. So make sure you're tuning in. I know I will be. Of course, we're going to be doing those breakdowns and recaps, hopefully coming out. I think what we'll shoot in a day or two after each game. Uh, just so you guys can, you know, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you can hear us break it down and tell you all about it. Oh, absolutely. No, we'll hit you with those the next day. Make sure you guys are in tune if you weren't able to catch the game. Make sure you guys are staying in touch with our YouTube page. We started our bi-weekly Diamondbacks recaps. Good start to the season for them as well. Hitting you guys with a live stream every week. But this was Pass the Outlet Episode 10. We're in double digits now, Chris. That's crazy. But I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always by my wingman, Chris Patrick. Let's go, sons, baby. Let's go. Have a good night, y'all.
Ask any baller. If you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. The ruling on the floor is made basket. You know, one thing's for sure. Over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Three, two, one.